yes, you will fall, but it's what's next. And when I mean what's next, it's okay to be troubled. Like I don't expect anyone or myself to be happy. No one wakes up wanting to fail. It's awful. You know, it, it's so hard to fail, but take that one day, have Ben and Jerry's, cry it out, call your friends, go out for a drink and then level set, see what, what went wrong, what can you salvage and where do you move forward with it? Caution. Listening to this podcast may motivate you to make positive changes in your life, identify ways to accelerate your career trajectory and develop a path towards financial freedom. This is the Career Meets World podcast, and I'm your host, Edward Gorbis, and I've spent the last 10 years focused on helping thousands of people advance their career while in parallel teaching a secret recipe to reach financial independence. And I'm here to share the untold stories of successful people and teach thousands of listeners how to develop a growth mindset. Our minds are malleable and everyone has the power to change their mindset through perseverance, dedication, and a passion for learning. So if you're ready to skyrocket your business and financial literacy, turn up the volume and let's dive right in. This is the Career Meets World podcast. Welcome back, podcast family. Today, we have a very special guest. With us, we have Sumeda Arun, who is the co-founder of a company called Forever Fit. And she founded this company at a very young age in India. It's a digital platform which served as one of the top one-stop shops for customers looking for lifestyle changes and to connect them to healthcare vendors from hospitals to top merchandise brands. After raising capital and helping young adults live a healthier lifestyle, she moved across the world to pursue psychology at Columbia University in New York. Leaving home was certainly not easy and she had to reinvent herself. The pace of New York was electrifying and addictive and the chaos soon became normal and she founded Solace in the streets of Manhattan. And after completing her double masters at Columbia, she provided therapy to different populations, ranging from high-functioning individuals on Wall Street to couples on the Upper West Side and individuals with development disabilities at an Orthodox Jewish agency. And her experiences as an aspiring counselor taught her more about herself, and she wanted to use her knowledge of human behavior at larger settings to put her entrepreneur mindset and business acumen to test. So she joined Deloitte in their human capital as a service offering, a fast growing practice of the firm built on innovation to create assets in the human capital space. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sumeda. It is a pleasure to have you on. I'm super excited to dig into your past, your present, what you're working on, what you're doing, how you're dealing with the pandemic and so forth. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. It's always a pleasure to speak to so many incredible people who have just different journeys and have done so much throughout their career. You are on a pathway to success. I feel like there's no stopping you. I hope so. You certainly are. Uh, your background is quite intriguing to me, and I feel like a lot of people would resonate with it. Obviously, there's so many people, uh, especially in the United States, but obviously we have a global audience, and 
you've gone through an immigration process. You are kind of working right now in New York, but you grew up in India. Can you share a little bit about kind of your early days, your upbringing? What really created this mindset that you have right now? Yeah, I'm happy to. I grew up in New Delhi, which is the capital of India. Um, and was raised by a large family um, with very strong women and very liberal values. And I think that sort of just transcended with me wherever I've gone. Now my parents live between Paris and Delhi. So wherever we go, we remain Indian at heart and our collectivistic values stay with us. Very early on in my life, I took up sports. I used to play soccer professionally, which really shaped me. And I never thought that my career would spark out of soccer. But as a 14-year-old, I had a lot, a lot of questions. Why do we score more goals when we communicate with each other? Why, why do we follow a certain coach more than the other? And I was really curious, like just why, why do certain people work better with each other, which led me to take up psychology. I studied psychology, had my own company, which sparked through digital fitness and psychology, and then moved to New York about six years ago. That's incredible. And you had mentioned you had played professional soccer, obviously. Yeah. Your parents afforded you this opportunity and obviously India is a very different kind of eclectic culture and people don't always have the same opportunities and that's consistent across every country. But there's something unique about sports that yeah. it, it ingrains this mentality in us and I'm just curious from your point of view, obviously I believe it sparked your your venture that you founded in, in India, but I'm curious more about kind of what sports taught you and what you took away from it. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that, Edward. I really think you can take the sportsman off the field, but the spirit never leaves you. The things that you learn by playing a sport, that you put a team first. It's not only one person scores a goal in soccer, but all 11 of them are responsible for it. And that's a mentality that sort of like transcended to everything that I do about team. And it's, it's always good to dream high, but you have to follow through. You have to be disciplined. You have to show up for practice at 5 a.m you will lose certain games and that's just how it is. And you can cry and that's totally okay, but you have to come back. And it's how you strategize after a loss and come back is what's really vital. And I think one thing, and my closest friends are the girlfriends I made when I was young and we sort of just stayed in touch for the last 15, 20 years. It's something about playing a sport, traveling together, sweating in 120 degrees in India that sort of just transcends through different phases of life. And yes, it did spark my next career move. And I had a digital fitness company and it's, it's affected both my professional and personal lives. And I can tell you a little bit about the company, which was India's largest digital fitness platform at the time. And full disclosure, it was a complete accidental venture. It wasn't something that I planned, uh, but it was one of the best decisions I've taken in my career. So let's talk about that accident. And we've talked about this separately offline. And I think there's so much value in sharing that story because yeah. a lot of times we quote unquote make accidents that <laughs> end up really being the catapult for our career, our journey and our next step. So let's kind of hone in on that and expand a little bit more on that accident. Yeah. So it was my business partner's idea. His name is Ilan and you know, I'll give him a shout out and when he'll be listening to the podcast and he'd been, so, he's been a serial entrepreneur. He's had businesses before ours and he continues to have more. He launched a fitness campaign as really like a drunk new year resolution to have lesser drinks and you know, lesser hangovers. And I love he, that. Yeah, he's really a party animal, at least he used to be. And we went to the same high school. So he reached out to me for a quote as an athlete. So I said, of course, and we came from a very close-knit alumni high school. So we met for a coffee. He shared his vision. 
I was 19 at the time, graduating undergrad, which is three years in India. And I said, you know, I have an offer from McKinsey and Google and I'm deciding to go tech or consulting and then I'm moving for grad school. So this is great and I can give you a quote, but it's not really what I have planned. And I think when you're younger, you have these like plans in life. Like this is what I'm going to do in the next two years and four years and six years, which I think can be great. You know, society helps us have structures and formats, but I don't think you always need to follow them. It's okay to go detour, which took me some time myself to realize. So he, you know, he and I kept meeting pretty frequently and you know meeting from once a couple of weeks to every day of the week from one hour to eight hours and the campaign had a couple of hundred thousand followers within six months actually even lesser and we got a VC offer on the phone and my mom was like if someone is willing to give you money on a social media campaign and you guys have no idea what you're doing you probably should look into it and that was sort of a wake-up call so it started from my parents basement we just started working out of there we came up with a business plan, registered our company. As a 19 year old, you really don't know a lot about compliance and tax. And so we went through those things. Thankfully, my mom's a lawyer. So she helped us get up to speed pretty quickly. Um, and the, the journey was of a lifetime, I think, for us to understand each other. We weren't really friends before we started working together. For us to have a vision that we both aligned, that was scalable, that was profitable, and that, was, that met both our personalities. For me, social and community was a large part for him and for him digital and tech was really big so bringing our passions together and we happened to hone into a problem that was eminent at the time and that's something i often tell people who are probably younger than me or at crossroads of life sometimes it's important to look up and see what's happening around you you could want something else but if if there's a trend in the market it's it's important to grab that opportunity at the time so we saw people wanted to get healthier that is and this is this trend has been there for the last 10 years, if not more, about healthy living, organic eating, sustainable living. And we saw, but you can always Google something, but sometimes it helps just to talk to someone else with like a human voice. And that's what we did. We created a community of like-minded people, which was the social media campaign, which later led into a website, into an app and like work streams and well-being consulting. But that's where it started. And when we sold, uh, I moved to America and I had to, I thought I would do both and you know, you're very optimistic, but to any smart person, you have, you can only win so many battles at a point of time. So when I moved here, I sold my stake and I decided to move forward. It's such a beautiful story of kind of how you got started. You were 19 ambitious and you're right. It resonates a lot with me when you mentioned that when we're so young, especially if we've had this driven career and parents who are continuously pushing us, we often have a rigid plan. Yeah. And it seems like when Elon contacted you and you started kind of working on this, building it out, it just naturally evolved. And that's the beauty of what you built. Yeah. And I think I always, I always say that every success that I ever have, he'd always have a hand to play. If it wasn't for him, I would have never knew. You can read about being an entrepreneur, but actually being one is really different. It's not that glamorous. It requires you playing multiple hats. Uh, sometimes you sweep the floor. Sometimes you go talk to the investors. You do your own payroll. You're responsible for the paycheck that goes out every two weeks. So, and I, I always say, I wish I could have a risk-taking capacity of a serial entrepreneur because the, the ones who are crazy enough to think they will are the ones who change the world, like Steve Jobs says. I've told you this many times and I will publicly say it now <laughs> that I'm pretty confident there are more ventures in your future just based on your work ethic and everything that you've established thus far. Thank you. 
Of course. What I want to dig into a little bit more is what you learn through that process, because sometimes there are individuals who go through the corporate route and then become an entrepreneur, taking away a lot of what they learn. For you, it's a little bit of reverse. Who knows what your future looks like, but you started off very early building out a company. You ultimately sold your stake. What were you able to carry away from those experiences? A couple of things. I think the first one is to be open to opportunities. Um, opportunities are always in front of you. It's how you look at them and are you willing to act on them? So, you know, had I been stuck at my way of like working at McKinsey or Google is a great career path and one that I hope that I could probably do in my future, you know, if life permits. But to be able to say no and go follow your passion or pursuit, that was a life lesson I learned pretty quickly. Um, the second thing that I learned is it's okay to make mistakes. You will make mistakes. If you aren't failing, if you aren't falling, you're probably too comfortable. And it's not the following, it's how you rise that defines you. Um, third thing I learned was communications. You have to have to communicate. In, and if you have a kid, you need to communicate with your kid, you need to communicate with your partner, you need to communicate with your teammates. It's truly like when you don't communicate, people interpret things that you may or may not have even thought of. So, you know, when we had our company, the two of us have very different working styles, but for us to be able to communicate and we, we could fight and argue and still go get that drink after work. And I think I always learned you should be in business with people you're able to enjoy that drink after work, even though you may have had a disagreement. So I, I learned a lot of things, but I would say these are probably the highlights. I like that. What stands out to me is this idea that it doesn't matter how many times you fall. It's important to get back up. What was that drive within you that helped you constantly get back up after getting beaten down? <laughs> um, a couple of things. I think my parents really raised my sister and I in a patriarchal society to be, to be whoever we wanted. They truly believed. And I think sometimes it's just the confidence that you can do whatever you want is what gets you through. Even though you may not know what's next, even though you may not have the skills, but just believe in faith gets you next. In India, 2nd of October is Gandhi's birthday, which is a national holiday. And also, unfortunately, or fortunately, a dry day in India. No alcohol is served on 2nd of October. And I used to always say as a kid that I want to do something that 11th of August, my birthday, will be a national holiday. I want to create an impact. And I don't know what that impact is going to be. It could be in the businesses I work with, creating employment for women, education, poverty. I don't know what kind of impact but I wanted to always leave a legacy and be remembered. And I think it's going back to playing a sport. It's yes, you will fall, but it's what's next. And when I mean what's next, it's okay to be troubled. Like I don't expect anyone or myself to be happy. No one wakes up wanting to fail. It's awful. You know, it, it's so hard to fail, but take that one day, have Ben and Jerry's, cry it out, call your friends, go out for a drink and then level set, see what, what went wrong. What can you salvage and where do you move forward with it? Or in today's world, the Ben and Jerry's is probably some vegan ice cream. <laughs> yeah, very true. Let's expand on that even further. What you're talking about is falling and getting up and falling and getting up. It's kind of the cyclical iterative process that's such an important part of learning. What often gets neglected, and especially in kind of Western culture, it might be present in any culture, is putting out this perception that we have 
everything figured out and we're kind of this picture perfect model of ourselves. But deep down, when we fall, there's so much anxiety that comes with it and uncertainty. Yeah. What's your personal preference on how to cope with that anxiety? Yeah. Well, I think imposter syndrome is real and it happens everywhere around the world. Let me tell you, it happens in India as much as it does in the U.S. And I would be lying if I said I haven't been a victim of it. The anxiety is real and I'm very honest about the fact that I'm very type A and when you have such high ambitions, when you're continuously churning, the high, the peaks are very high and very frequent and the lows are very high and the valleys are very deep. And I think first is acceptance that it's going to happen. Second is taking time off. I think every now and then, and the way people get recharged is very different. For me, it's spending time with my family and just, you know, chilling with my mom and sister, watching Netflix, going for a vacation. For someone else, it could be a trek or someone else, it could just be binge watching. I think it's important to take the time off and just be with yourself and your loved ones to come back. I think the third thing is having a support system, uh, personally and professionally. When you have these, I, I, don't, I don't wanna call them lows, but when you have setbacks of a certain kind, it's, it's imperative to fall on people who can guide you and show you the light at the end of the tunnel. There always is light. Sometimes the tunnel is a little longer and maybe Speaking to someone who has a few years ahead of you uh, in their career or more wisdom can be helpful. Sometimes it's just it's just nice to speak to your grandma and you know, just hear everything's going to be fine. But I think a support system is really important. And last, I think, you know, I've been an athlete. I've had a fitness and wellness company. I really think personal health and, and I know you speak a lot about financial well-being and I'm a big proponent of it. But I think holistic health is really important. And I often say, it's, you know, if you have six packs or a bikini body, but if you're having a divorce, you're probably not happy. So it's holistic health, what we eat, what we think, what we burn and what we spend now. So I think take care of yourself. You'll always be your biggest asset. And sometimes slowing down means moving forward. I love that. Slowing down means moving forward. I am probably going to quote you on that one. What you hit on is, you're right, I'm very passionate about financial well-being. I think I've personally gone through this transformation over the last maybe two years, realizing the importance of health and what we put into our bodies ultimately impacts the way we operate, how we think, how we sleep, how we feel. And it's obviously trendy in different ways. Some people buy into it. Some people think it's a fad. I'm going to double down on the fact that it's imperative for us to operate at a high capacity by being mindful of what we put into our bodies and certainly coupling that with health and fitness. And again, to your point, it does not mean we have to go generate a picture perfect poster body of ourselves. It just means that let's be mindful of what we put in and dedicate time to working out. So, So what does that look like for you now? Right. How do you find that delicate balance of work as well as prioritizing your health? Yeah. So, you know, I work in a consulting company. So pre-pandemic, we would travel every week, Monday mornings to Thursday evenings. And it's a, it's a lifestyle that I chose. And on most days, I enjoy it. You know, when you're young and in your 20s, you enjoy the travel and seeing new places. Um, every lifestyle comes with its own set of choices. And I think you need to make choices that are best fit for your career and your place in life. So for me, um, I think decision fatigue is real and making decisions all the time can be really hectic. So I know like 
eggs are really easy for me and if i don't want to think i'll have eggs in the morning i think coming up with like some sort of routine like i always have nuts i usually run on low blood sugar so i have like nuts and like protein bars in my bag i think these small things if like having a structure in place are really important i think about working out it depends on either are you a morning person or are you an evening person when do you physically make the time to work out i unfortunately i'm always running against time uh, with one thing or the other so i do a lot of hit workouts they're short they're high intensity they work for me i think it's finding the balance as to what works for you and like you said you know do i contribute to the ever growing well being industry in this country absolutely i buy uh, lululemon and and sweet greens and i'm totally a victim of it and i think it's not for everyone if you're able to provide that health lifestyle in your own kitchen nothing like it and i often say this like healthy doesn't mean eat boring like i love eating out and i wish we could do more of it right now just find what works for you and your body and that's all right it doesn't have to be vegan it doesn't have to be gluten free i do neither of those just see what really works for you it's interesting uh particularly around the fact that you're a consultant and you're on the road 4 days out of the week at least you were pre pandemic we'll see what that looks like in the future but travel will pick back up at some point uh i think we all need it we all want it and all crave it i'd like to understand a little bit more around when you are traveling for work that's the time that i've personally ended up cheating in terms of eating food and just understanding that i'm going to be going out with coworkers i'm going to be working late and yeah. kind of put this to the side how do you keep yourself disciplined yeah well i'm like no guru or like no expert i can share what works for me so you know fun fact i lost 50 pounds of weight i was a really fat kid growing up and i did a lot of diets to lose weight so i'm a little familiar with nutrition and different kind of diets and calorie deficit and keto and intermittent fasting and paleo I've tried a bunch uh, there's certain that work for me certain that don't work for me so when I travel for example there's a, I could be wrong but there's a common tradition in India in the US that people don't eat breakfast they just have coffee unfortunately that doesn't work for me I really really need breakfast as a person so I usually pick up like uh, a Starbucks you know egg sandwich and I usually do I don't do it all the time but I roughly know the calories for everything I'm consuming and based on my body type I know I need to consume x amount of calories a day And that's so one thing i do is picking up packaged food on the road which is healthy organic and i know the calorie count that's usually the easiest way to stay disciplined um in consulting and when you travel i also want to go out with my coworkers i hope you know i hope that we like each other and it's a blessing that we like to go out after work and yes sometimes you can't always be you know on a diet and it's okay to you know enjoy a glass of wine or have you know a nice meat of steak or eat a dessert it's not like a hard and fast rule I personally if I'm traveling a crazy amount of hours I try not drink during the week because I have a harder time waking up in the morning so I may have like half a glass of wine and that's it and I usually like to have alcohol on the weekend so I think it's finding what really works for you um most consulting companies have come up with a lot of well-being practices for us to stay sane when we travel so if you work in a consulting company there are many levers that you can pull for yourself of course I do respect the fact that you're acknowledging that one size does not fit all and there are so many different ways to operate when you're traveling and whether it be consulting or a sales role or any other role that requires us to travel there will be those moments where we might feel pressure to drink and it's important to consciously go into that moment yeah 
understanding I want to feel a certain way the next day. I want to operate at a certain level. And oftentimes alcohol is something that diminishes our performance. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm not like, uh, I, I like drinking. It's not, I, I, I would be lying if I said, if I haven't had a good time with my friends, I think for me, there's a time and place for it. And if you're traveling and working long hours, I try to avoid it to get better sleep. But I think it's just finding, and everybody's tolerance is different. So it's more like, see, listen to your body and see what works for you. I love that. Let's uh, actually rewind for a second and mm -hmm. kind of revisit from where you kind of ultimately decided to part ways with your partner. You sold or you sold your stake in the company and then ultimately made your transition to the States. What was that journey like? What did you feel? What did you experience? Um, oh my God, it was a whirlwind of emotions. So much, so much has happened in the last couple of years. It was one of the hardest things I've done in my life. It came with buckets of tears. Um, it was really, really hard leaving home. Uh, India and New Delhi will always be home and it's where my family decides. It's where I've had tasted my first success. It's where I played my first soccer game. I had my own company. It was equally hard leaving Ilan and a business that I set up and a friendship that I'm really proud of. So it was really hard. I think it, sometimes you have, change is inevitable. And I think it's better when you're calling it rather than it, it happening to you. And when I tasted success so early, Edward, I truly didn't know how much of it was mine and how much of it was a fluke or was it real. I, I needed to know for myself if I could recreate myself in an environment which wasn't as comfortable, in an environment where I wasn't known because of my parents or playing a sport. And that's the, one of the reasons why I moved. Another reason is I don't think as a person I could go back to doing my education later in my career. I love working so much and I would like to get my hands dirty and come back to the workforce. So it was a conscious decision to finish my education. And that's why coming to New York was through Columbia University where I did my double masters. And that was an experience of a lifetime for so many reasons. I, I, it was really hard leaving my grandparents um, and leaving home. And you know, India has a very different culture um, being raised in a developing economy, uh, we have help at home and, you know, we don't really do our own chores, unfortunately. I wish I had learned these life lessons earlier in life. So I think it was a change. Um, New York is known for its bitter winters and I came from tropical 120 degrees weather. So my skin used to peel off and I didn't know that you really had to moisturize. Um, counting scents was new. Um, I've been lost in subway so many times. I've been pickpocketed on Wall Street in the middle of the day. Um, so many fall, like I have fallen many times in New York, but it all it it broke down any level of arrogance and it built me back. I I was the president of my college in India and I also was in the student senate at Columbia. And these kind of wins made me realize that maybe I can reorient myself. I can have this success in another part of the country. So it was a very valuable lesson in New York. Even in the chaos, like I found my calm uh, in Central Park in the fall leaves and. It's really been a journey and even graduating Columbia, things didn't come easy in terms of finding a job. So it was really a lesson that I had to learn and I'm glad I went down that path. There's so much to take away from that and a lot of parallels that we can actually draw to what's going on today. You had gone through a choice that you had made to move to the States and go to Columbia and get your double masters, which I commend you for doing that. But along the way, as you mentioned, you almost have to relearn the fundamentals of living in a different society. 
And arguably, we're kind of doing that again right now as an entire society and learning how to operate and be happy through this new world that we've kind of embarked upon without a choice. So what's important there is understanding that we do have that choice now in how we operate, how we want to tweak our own health and fitness, what we eat, how we work, where we work. And it's a good reminder that it can be done because you've gone through this immigration process. It was not easy. Uh, I've heard multiple stories from my parents of going through the immigration process. I moved to the States when I was five, so I don't necessarily remember all those things, but I'm deeply, deeply grateful for them. What's it like now for you? You have done quite well, again, by no surprise, as I mentioned, and you kind of transitioned into consulting and entered into that world. What was it like once you finished your program at Columbia and looking at this landscape across the US, knowing that you wanted to work here, you had great experience. You had a great degree now. What was that next step like for you? Yeah, so a couple of things. I wanted to move back to India um, after my studies. I wanted to just go back home and do something else. Um, My mom and my dad said, you know, you've gone to a different economy in terms of ROI, and I ended up getting a full ride at Columbia. I came with, I worked like a pauper. I did multiple jobs during my college time and I ended up paying for it myself, but they really wanted me to experience working in another economy. And it's, once you leave the country, it's harder to penetrate the system. So they were like, while you're here, take a shot. I said, okay. When I was at Columbia, I ha- we have field work as a part of our curriculum. So I, I was giving therapy on the Upper West Side to couples uh, at Orthodox Jewish Agency to develop mental disability and also on Wall Street to very high functioning individuals, bankers, lawyers, and VCs. And in the time I realized I love people and everything about people. And I always wanna be in the business of people. I also realized traditional psychotherapy was probably not my calling. And that was a kind of bittersweet realization after you spent a quarter million dollars in your education. You know, I wish I had that a little early in my career. So I, I kind of hit like an existential crisis. So and. In India, you're either a lawyer or an engineer or a doctor. You have these streamlined paths that are defined for you. And I didn't know after studying psychology, and I knew that I had an entrepreneurial mindset. I've always you know, had business acumen. I didn't know how I could merge these two. And I started reaching out to people on LinkedIn. And that's one of the reasons why I'm very active on the platform today. I send out about 1,800 messages, probably got a 50% hit rate, which is not bad. And then I've had about a couple of hundred phone calls uh, and I met a ton of wonderful people and a lot of people helped me on, on this way, on this journey. And it's kind of hard to call each one of them in the podcast. But one guy, his name is Eric Wimpmeyer. Um, he worked at Deloitte at the point of time. And he said, you know, yeah, why don't I speak to you? Put some time on my calendar. And I, he sort of told me about human capital consulting. I just didn't know there was a world where you could merge psychology and business together. And a lot of it, like change management, leadership, talent, like, the, I, I probably had done all of these things in my experience at my own company. I just didn't know the buzzwords. So he sort of got me into, he gave me a referral, but giving a referral was not all that he did for me. I went through multiple, multiple round of interviews at Deloitte spanning four months. And he stood by me because I had a lot of immigration hurdles to pass over given the current administration. And he just stood by me and the partner that he introduced me to. And that's what really changed me as a person in multiple facets. One, you should you should be cognizant of market conditions 
but also understand that you can make your way through but be realistic i think i was too naive and i it, it happened to work for me but i wish when i came i done some market research and i knew what the stakes are and i often recommend you know i do a lot of mentorship at columbia for upcoming international students coming in and i often tell them understand what you're signing up and if that's what you want that's great but you know it's not all a bed of roses the second thing i learned was persistence like if you persevere and if you're consistent there will be light at the end of the tunnel it may not be what you want i never dreamt of getting into human capital consulting it happened to me build connections meet people the more people you like some some won't like you back some may help you once and some you'll have lifelong relationships with and that's all right but put yourself out there have those meaningful conversations some will definitely click and last but not the least i think it's it's okay to do something you didn't have planned for yourself and that's sort of been my career i i wish i could take credit and said i sort of planned this but i didn't you know my company happened to me my human capital consulting happened to me so be open to opportunities and make them your own it's interesting where i've had a lot of conversations so first of all i love to cook and i have had a lot of conversations with different chefs because i'm intrigued with the art and the process uh minor tangent there's an incredible show that again teaches people about perseverance and people's stories on netflix called chef's table i'm super passionate it's a beautiful show what i've learned from many of these people that i've spoken with that oftentimes when they create a recipe or they think through what they're going to cook the result is never what they expected and i think that's kind of the same thing in any facet of life where we can drum up a plan it doesn't matter what age you are whether you're an early stage entrepreneur you can have a vision you can have a plan you can have details in it but there's always going to be speed bumps on the road there's going to be people crossing the road there's going to be a lot of things that happen in that moment and i think that's an important message to convey to a lot of our listeners wherever they might be and wherever they are in their journey of life is that it's okay to sit in that discomfort but ultimately you'll come out better when you figure out what that next step is for you what i liked about your story is that from what i heard as you sent about a thousand or 2000 linkedin messages to a lot of different people and you probably went into it thinking hopefully i'll get a few back not realizing 50% of them would respond as you mentioned i know you're incredibly active on linkedin and you're often connecting and sharing really insightful stories and kind of motivational topics that you share with people and i appreciate you doing that and would recommend anyone to follow you because you have so much joy to share but i do think it's important to talk about what that experience is like around networking because there's so much so much power in meeting new people especially in today's world where there are no guidelines there's no rule book we can throw everything out the window what would be your advice to people who are interested in connecting with new people and interested in meeting new folks whether it be just for pure connection or obviously looking for their next job What would be your advice? Yeah, um it's funny, you know, I've always enjoyed speaking to people as a kid, uh growing up in India in a population of 1.4 billion people, then starting to be a therapist and with even the work that I do now, I think networking 
people often think it's like exchanging business cards or like having these like handshakes with like higher ups. And that's not how I personally define networking. Networking could be speaking to the guard that works for your building as much as it, as it is to speaking to a C-suite. I think it's taking a genuine interest in the human race and talking to people sometimes like yourself and sometimes not like yourself. And I often say people don't help business cards. And I, it's not my quote. It's actually the CNN CEO, but people help people they can trust. And don't try to build a network for like a following number on LinkedIn or for like a heap of business cards build few but meaningful relationships and find a personal connection and that's and i sort of learned this after hit and trial i didn't i wasn't born with this wisdom when i was sending out these messages i realized i was getting more responses from the people i had something common in some of them went back and eric went to columbia and the partner i worked for also went to columbia and that's sort of how i got into this so find the narrative where you meet in common and i met you know i met you through robin in our initiative and Robin and I have our love for soccer, and that's how we connected. Find that common narrative that you have with, with a person and build a genuine connection. And don't expect or don't do it for like an instant ROI. I'm sure sometimes it works. And so I would say it's more like a long-term game or play. I, I don't know what the right word would be, but my only advice is it's a numbers game. It's like dating in New York. The more you do it, the higher your odds are. So don't stop. You know, people can genuinely be busy. They may, may they may miss your message. They may not have the bandwidth to reply to you. And that is not a reflection of you in any means. If you do not get a response, it is fine. Keep going at it. Uh, talk to people from different parts of life. And that's a way to learn. If I hadn't connected with Eric, I would never know about Deloitte because that was not a company I was looking to apply at all, by the way. So talk to people who have different life experiences as, as well as similar life experiences. Uh, people who've come from your own colleges and see what they've done five or six years ahead of their career. That's sort of one. I think sometimes people have a lot of apprehension reaching out to higher ups in a company. I think most of us who've gone, who had some success, and I've probably had tasted some, there are people who've tasted quadruple amounts of success. Most people want to pay it forward. People who've been successful have been successful because a lot of people helped them to get there where they are. And most of us feel the sense of paying it forward and helping more people come on the way. And it's all right to ask for help. And my uncle, who's a senior VP at Apple, and you know, I used to be, I used to apologize to him every time I would call him and he was mentoring me. And I was like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And he said, I told you I would help you. If I don't have time, I will tell you that's enough. I need to give this time to my daughter and my wife now. So don't trouble me. But till the time no, no one says that, use that help. It's okay to ask for help people will help you if you know how to ask for it. Absolutely. I wish I could remember who said this quote, but along the idea of people wanting to help people is that if you're lucky enough to make it to the top, make sure to send the elevator back down. Oh, that's nice. I like that. The importance there is oftentimes people who are successful and have gone through their own challenging events and were lucky and fortunate enough to make it up to the quote unquote top, they want to help people. They seek out individuals who are equally as hungry, ambitious, excited, craving more from the world, and they will help you. It doesn't mean that every single person we reach out to will necessarily respond. 
but it's our responsibility to figure out who do we want to go after. And I really like what you said around was finding that connective glue or that anchor that we can relate to them. And it's an easier way to start up a conversation. What you also mentioned is, as I like to kind of characterize it, there's a difference between income time and equity time. The income time is, let's call it everything that we do on a day-to-day -day basis, the interactions that we might have with our doorman, with the people at the grocery store, our coworkers, our friends, that's consistent, that's set in stone, we're constantly going into it. Equity time is the long-term investment. And those are the conversations that we're having with people from a networking standpoint and meeting new clients, new prospective clients. Uh, doesn't matter where we're meeting those individuals, but we're not expecting an immediate return today. You might tap on them in a year, two years, 10 years, or you might not ever speak to them, but at least you've kind of put in that time that equity time and it's so important. And that really what establishes this massive network that we ultimately tap into, whether or not we're looking for new jobs or whether or not we're one day looking to start up a business. And then we wanna reach back out to those individuals so that we're kind of able to expand on it. So I want people to be able to take away your message, your journey, your story, and realize that it's so, so important to walk away with this idea of equity time and investing into your future, not necessarily on a financial basis, but more so on a human relationship basis. Absolutely. With that said, uh, we obviously are coming to a quick close in our conversation. There's so much more that I do wanna ask you. And it really centers around how you think, how you grow, how you train your mind and I'd love to dig into kind of what are some of your favorite books? What are some of your favorite podcasts that you listen to and that inspire you? Yeah. So I, I often say that you are what you consume, um, just not just the nutrition, but the people you interact with and the things that you read, the movies that you watch. So I, I read this book, um, actually I, somebody recommended it to me when I was in during the job hunt phase of my life and it's called Pitch Anything and it's by Oren Klaff and it's, uh, he's supposed to be one of the world's best pitchers. Um, and he talks about how you're always selling yourself in any conversation and how to picture and, and the power dynamics of maybe an in interview, maybe talking to a VC, maybe talking to your wife. And I, something about that book really stayed with me. Um, I also read uh, Michelle Obama's Becoming, which is just such an inspirational re read and it's super nice. Um, these are the two books that are my all time favorite. My bookshelf is right here, so I'm just. I love Sapiens. I think Homer Deus and Sapiens are books that like everyone stands by. I, I think I've spent a lot of time on Netflix and hopefully some of it is educative. And I loved watching Inside the uh, Brain of Bill Gates, which was such an insightful journey just to see how he functions. And him, it's not just watching a Steve Jobs movie that someone else directed. Even though I love Ashton Kutcher in the movie, he's awesome. But it was nice just to hear the story in Bill Gates' voice. Um, so that's something I recommend. In podcasts, uh, Simon Sinek recently launched a new podcast during the pandemic. It's on optimism, something that he often speaks about. And that's a podcast I like to watch. And yours, I am looking forward to your series and listening to more of your podcasts. I appreciate that. Uh, there's obviously high expectations there. <laughs> and I will do my best as a host, as a leader to 
help inspire more people. And Simon Sinek is somebody that I will stand by any day. He's an incredible optimist. I love his book, Start With Why. It probably should be the beginning of every MBA program, if not every single education program across America and the rest of the world. Uh, there are so many different people in books that you shared, and we'll certainly list those out for everyone. What I want to make sure that our audience is able to take away is how to connect with you, because there's so much that you provide to the world, and obviously you're super active on LinkedIn. So if somebody did want to connect with you, what would you say to them? Well, I am by no means a celebrity as much as I think I would be. So absolutely, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on LinkedIn. If it's possible, do send me a little note that you heard me on the podcast. I'm, sometimes it's just hard to figure out how someone's reaching out to you, but I absolutely want to know your story and connect with you. So LinkedIn is the best way to find me. Excellent. And there you go. Sumeda is telling you exactly what that anchor is to start up a conversation with her. So as we always do at the end of our podcast, we shift gears and put you into our hot seat where I intend to ask you some fun and hopefully challenging questions. So Sumeda, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Awesome. I love the energy. Let's do this. So first and foremost, you went through this immigration process and you came to the States. If you had to unwind, redo it all, and America didn't exist, what country would you move to? Probably France, because my parents already stay there and I have a home, so I would move to Paris. Love it. Uh, I'll ask you a follow-up question then. So given your kind of love for France and the fact that your parents are there, what's your favorite French food? And French fries is not an answer. <laughs> well, French fries aren't actually French. They're from Brussels. Uh, my favorite French food is macarons. I love, love macarons. And Fedori is my favorite place in Paris to get macarons from. So anyone going to Paris, I recommend. They're also at the airport. Love it. One final one for you. And it's more kind of philosophical, but I, I want to hear from your perspective. If you're trying to provide some advice to people early on in their career, especially people who might have graduated from undergrad or grad school, during this instance in the world, yeah. what would be your recommendation on mindset? Yeah, a couple of things. I think the first one would be follow your own path, create a journey that is truly yours and you can truly be whatever you wish for. And I think that's something I learned in America more than anyone, anywhere else. People here have multiple careers across the span of their life. Uh, you don't have to just be one thing. Like you worked at WeWork and now you're building this amazing platform and that's all right, you can shift gears. And that's sort of my advice, especially to the folks who are graduating in this really weird time, unprecedented time. You may have wanted to get into banking, consulting, tech, and things may not go as planned and that's all right. It totally sucks. You all have our empathies and it's first reach out to help if someone can help you and second, be brave enough to shift the gears. It's okay to create a path that may have seen what you wanted two years ago, but the market has shifted. Uh, that's one. The second is, it's okay to do something that no one has ever done before. You don't always have to be in the, in the race and follow it. You know, Uber came, Facebook, Apple. You can be a pioneer to your own journey, to your own business. And in some ways, I think I've done it and it's a work in progress for me. So I would encourage people to create their own journeys and ask for help. 
do not be afraid to reach out to people. People always want to help. You just need to find the right people. You survived the hot seat and quite well. So <laughs> I, I commend you for that. And you're just dropping wisdom left and right. So I appreciate that your words mean a lot to me. They're probably going to mean a lot to so many people. And we hope to connect with those individuals, whether it's reaching out to you on LinkedIn or through obviously our platform. Sumeda, it was such a pleasure talking with you today. You are an incredible human being. You've done so many things throughout your life. I'm excited to see what's next for you as your career evolves and what you build out next. Thank you so much for joining us. Really a pleasure chatting with you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Edward. This was so fun and I'm, I'm always here if any of your listeners want to reach out and if I can help in any way, but this was so fun. More power to you for doing this. Connect with Sumeda. You won't regret it. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Career Meets World podcast. I would love to get to meet you. There are a couple of ways we can connect. You know I love my LinkedIn. Simply search for Career Meets World or Edward Gorbis and feel free to connect. Second is via Instagram at Career Meets World. And third is through our website. I have a special spot for you full of fun, free resources. All you have to do is go to careermeetsworld.com, subscribe to our newsletter, and we'll provide you the free resources to help you boost your career and reach financial freedom. And if this podcast was helpful to you in any way, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. This helps us help more people. Simply tap the rate with five stars and leave a sentence with what you liked about the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember, strengthening your growth mindset is your ticket to success. I'm Edward Gorbis, and we'll catch you on next week's episode.